Welcome to the Marriage Matters Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm here with my wife and co-host, Alyssa. These episodes are designed to help stir conversations and bring insight into different areas of marriage. We hope that this helps resource your marriage and equips you to try new things and engage conversations together in new ways. We will be interviewing different people along the way, and not everyone has the right answer for every situation, but we will do our best to have conversations that we can learn from, grow with, and challenge us toward living in a way that reflects Jesus in our marriages. In this episode, we sit down with Scott and Carla Brownson to discuss sex and intimacy. There are so many things that contribute to our relationships and how we interact with one another, so this conversation is not meant to be comprehensive. Our desire was to have an honest conversation and see what we can learn from their life experience and perspective. Here's our conversation with Scott and Carla. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of our Marriage Matters podcast. Today, I have with me, number one, my wife, uh, Alyssa, and then also joining with us are Scott and Carla Brownson. So would you guys tell us a little bit about who you are and what you get to do? Sure. You go first, Carla. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We're Scott and Carla Brownson. Uh, We've been married for almost 25 years we, uh, Scott is director of Clydehurst Christian Ranch, so we have a really cool job where we get to spend our summers up um, on the boulder, just uh, working with kids and families and serving Jesus. It's pretty cool. And we're um, just getting ready to open up a coffee shop as well. What else, Scott? Oh, well, nothing. I thought you were mainly going <laughs> to talk about yourself, but that was great. Oh. We, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we've uh, been married almost, well, 24 and a half Years. That's amazing. We've known each Congratulations, other. Congratulations, by the Thank way. Thank you. Yes. Um, we we met first Sunday of college. Mm-hmm. So we were 18. So it's weird when you get to the point where you've known each other longer than you didn't know mm-hmm. each other. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's fascinating. And we were friends um, for a couple of years before we started dating. So that was really cool too, because I'm like not much of a ladies' man. So I'm pretty shy around <laughs> girls. And it was just really really nice to just be really good friends. And then like, I just remember, um, this is just, a, I just sitting there going like, who do I want to stand in line at Disneyland with? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And it was weird because my parents were visiting and I, uh, when we were, we went to school down in Arizona and, uh, we, my parents would give us a Christmas ornament every year growing up. And we were walking by these Christmas ornaments and I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, cause Carla was with us. I was I almost said, um, do you have any Christmas ornaments too? Like thinking of our life together and mm. it just, bl- I was like, what, where did that thought <laughs> yeah. come from? We yeah. weren't even dating or anything like yeah. that. So, wow. um, yeah, so that's been good. And we have three kids. Um, we, uh, we did, I did music full time for a while and that was that kind of, uh, I think I was a little more scared to have, first of all, I didn't want to have kids as early as Carla did. Um, so that was a, that was cool, but I think I was a little scared at first. But we had Jocelyn, how many years in? Three, three. years? Yeah, three. Yeah, and I think my parents waited like seven, but I don't think it was their choice. I think that was mainly just struggling to have kids. So we, and then, um, and then, so she's almost 21, and then Brooklyn is um, 17, and then we had a little bonus, uh, Cooper, who's 12. So that's keeping us young. Yep, a yep. bonus. He's our yeah. bonus baby. <laughs> so that was that was that was really exciting. But we didn't. We never really talked about 
I think you get stuck. Like we, I just have a sister, and Carla's a family of four kids. So we never like before we got married. We never talked about how many kids we were going to have or anything like that. So and here you are. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. So. Well, today we're we're talking about um, a topic that won't ever get awkward um, for any of us. <laughs> but we're talking about sex and intimacy. And one of the reasons we we even created this series of of episodes was trying to resource and give couples a, a way to kind of launch some conversations around some of the sticking points of marriage, finances, sex and intimacy, and then uh, parenting, if you if you choose to have kids. Those three things, and, and all those like kind of overarching is a word that we know called communication. And those are kind of the, the things that can cause so many fights, so much struggle, so much frustration, and so much tension. And so we wanted to tackle these topics head on. And so I want to open our conversation today with something you guys got to speak at our young marriage retreat uh, a couple months ago. And you guys shared something that to me, I, I just felt like a deep sigh in the room. Because when you talk about sex and intimacy, there's been so many different narratives that have happened that have been some healthy, some unhealthy. Some people feel this immense sense of pressure. And for some people, they've unlocked it. And they're like, yeah, this is great. It's the best thing. We, we don't have to talk about it. We're, do, we're doing everything right. But you guys said something that to me took the pressure off and I felt a deep sigh in the room. And you said something like, just getting it done and that's okay. <laughs> and so I'm going to start with the like most like pragmatic element of it, which is like, you know, like let's, let's leave the romance at the door. But anyways, the reason why I want to start there is because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves and it can be like anytime, I even remember... I know this is really long, but I remember when Alyssa and I were first married, I was so afraid to even talk about it because I was just so afraid of the conversation going wrong, my expectations being wrong. Like there was so much pressure for me. And so anyways, I think to start with, let's just dive right in and break all that down and go, hey, let's talk about the simple parts. Anyways, do you remember yeah. what you said? Yeah. Like, yeah. so yeah, I was, um, it was interesting cause I was having, um, a conversation with some friends that are around your age and in their small group, that was a conversation that kind of came up that really, yeah, really freed everybody up of just this, this pressure that they felt like it had to be this, I mean, where are we? Get, I don't know where we get all of our ideas from. I mean, mainly movies and stuff in our generation for sure. But just this idea of of how to do it and the pressure. And it's just like, oh, it's been such a long day and I have to go through this whole process. And they were just like, man, if you just, if, if one of the people, you know, in the marriage <laughs> want to have sex, just just get it over with, you know, kind of a thing. And, <laughs> and just letting that go. And it was kind of, but for me, um, I was trying to think about, you know, starting with that question. There's so much behind that. And so for everyone listening, um, Let's put that in light of everything else we talk about, which is one of the things I, I think about is uh, we're, we're humans. And when you think about animals, they're not embarrassed about sex or going to the bathroom. Those are two things that are funny to us. <laughs> but because we're human, those things are somewhat shameful and embarrassing because we're so vulnerable in that situation. Like we just went to Thomas Rhett concert. And uh, if you've ever been to Brick Breed and Fieldhouse, they have the worst urinals. Girls, you don't know about this. But <laughs> they're, they're these, they, they almost look like toilets. They're way down on the ground. They're really close together and they don't have dividers in between them. I'm just like, there's no, I can't go to the bathroom <laughs> like this. It's just uncomfortable. And it's, uh, it's, you think about what makes us human. It's this, this idea that God gave us sex because it's a foreshadowing of of what heaven will be like. It's this uh, breakdown of vulnerability and intimacy that is sacred and incredible. 
And so when you can get to that point as soon as possible where you um, can just speak, you know, um, vulnerably because <laughs> you're vulnerable, <laughs> um, I think that's really important. So I uh, the reason that I'm kind of stumbling around on it is, is that, yes, get it, definitely get it done, but um, how do you do that? And I think one of the ways is, is that you can't ever... When you're in a vulnerable, this is, sex is so vulnerable, and it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be this idea of of nakedness before each other, and just being able and and so you cannot embarrass each other. <laughs> like to say anything in that vulnerable moment can just shut things down mm-hmm. and and leave this big. I mean, you know, to be able to have your wife know that she's your standard of beauty and that you can be exposed and comfortable in mm-hmm. front of each other should lead to that thing where if if somebody just wants to get it done, encourage them to do it. Don't ever say, oh, just get it over with. Right? <laughs> you have to like, I'm not saying lie. I'm saying I like it that you can do this and I like it that, and I enjoy it as well. Mm-hmm. Th- those kind of things are really important to say with that, just getting it done. So that idea is, is that if you come home from a long day and I just really like to have sex, you don't have to say, oh, like it doesn't have to be like, take out the CPAP machine and do, you know, just, <laughs> just uh, enjoy each other in that way, in that moment. And I think that that is, that is really important. So I, I would just encourage both people. And of course we still struggle with it. You know, I don't get on a podcast. We're not the experts on it, but just make sure that if somebody is wanting to just get it done, that you don't embarrass them. Right. Well, I think too, what you're saying too, is it doesn't like Jordan, you're even saying like the pressure, like it doesn't have to always be this big romantic build Candles up. And, and music. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes you just want that intimacy and you want to just get it done. Mm-hmm. Like you said like, it, and that's okay. And I think also like you're saying is, is feeling like you can freely communicate right. to your spouse, like yeah. opening that door. Yep. Um, to be like, you know, what? we can talk about this stuff. It doesn't have yep. to be this like weird, you know, what are they thinking thing? Like, let's just talk about it. Yep. Yeah. And Car- oh, go ahead. No, please. I was insane. Carly, you were saying, because you were saying about the trait you said, sometimes I need to be like, remind me that I do like it. Yes. Like, I. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. after a long day. Yes, absolutely. And I think for women, we go through these different stages. You know, up at the retreat, I I thought a lot about you women who have young children. And mm-hmm. there's this, oh, yeah, when you're in that stage where like you're exhausted and and um, you've had a long day and then it's it's time for that romance. It's like, you you want to do that, but you, you need to be reminded. And honestly, like now I'm in my mid forties and it's a, it's a new thing now. Late forties. <laughs> I'm 46. Now stop. Well, you're over 45. So I said mid, early forties, early forties. Th- that's now I'm entering a new stage. If I'm being vulnerable where I have to say that, like, sometimes I just need that little push because it is awesome. And that intimacy is so great and fun, but I just need you to nudge me along a little bit. And I think for us as Christians, like for anybody who's, yeah, I mean, for all of us that, that understand the sacredness of, of the act, I mean, we still are wired different guys and girls are wired different. And it's like, guys, it's just such a, it's such a different beast. And I would never know what it's like to be, to be a girl. And it doesn't always make sense. And yeah, it's kind of like, Definitely not hard um, for guys to get in the mood, if you want to call it. It's a totally different thing, and I, I think that that's what's hard about the communication is the emotional investment. <laughs> it's very different for guys and girls, and so 
Yeah, just learning each other, you know, being able to communicate and again, just be aware of the vulnerability and make sure that you're you're never embarrassing each other. Yep. And 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 I love that we started there because I, I think having a context that it's not always going to be romantic and this passionate moment is great. And and I also want to say before we go any further too that there's been some harmful things that have been said about, hey, one person needs to serve the other's sexual desires all the time. And so you can get into unhealthy patterns, even in a marriage oh, yep. where somebody's, you know, holding things above somebody and you need to serve me and your body's not your own. So, so just, just do it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so I don't want to say that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about taking off the pressure of it. There will be times where it's going to be magnificent and, you know, it's going to be better than Hollywood and the mm-hmm. passion's there and the romance is there and the candles are lit, but that's not going to be every single time. Yep. Right. And that's why I wanted to start there right. because yeah. when we can set it up to know it's going to be probably along a spectrum more than anything, I think is a, is a, and there's so many things to launch from now, even to talk to, okay, how do you build good communication? How do you build intimacy? How do you build the romance in? And even Scott, you even just said something that I love, which is, you know, that as men and women and different men and women too, yeah, right? right? We're going to need to talk through when are the times when we're just going to go, hey, this one's just going to be, it's going to be what it is, mm-hmm. but it can't always be like that. But we've got to communicate that. So mm-hmm. when are the times where it's, hey, you know, I, I've heard uh, another couple say, hey, there was a season where it was always on the calendar. And that was part of how we kept things spicy. And I was like, man, that is the most like, <laughs> to yeah. me, it sounds so <laughs> sterile. Yeah. But for them, that worked. And I love that approach that, hey, they had to communicate though, that they're both going to say, hey, we're going to put it on the calendar and plan it. And that was helpful. And so I just think different practical tools like that are just, to me, just unlock so many different things. So let's shift gears just, just a little bit and go towards romance. So 25 years of marriage, you've got teenagers and... <laughs> Uh, a whole different approach as far as like you're at a different stage of life than we are. We've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Over 25 years of marriage, how have you guys kept the romance there? What have been some different strategies if your kids have aged to introduce romance? Because like you said, Scott, it's not always going to be just this instant thing. So what what does that look like for you guys? How have you guys learned to to be romantic throughout the days and weeks? I think that the stage you guys are in is the most difficult. I, would agree. I think that... <laughs> As believers, if we're really serving each other and loving each other and you're not like living vicariously through your kids' sports or whatever else, like there's definitely people our age that stay together for their kids and that's all that's the center of their lives. And then their kids leave and they get divorced. Like we have people our age that are getting divorced at 25 (laughs) years. So yeah, there's definitely new stages and elements, but I think it's the exhaustion of kids and just mm-hmm. kind of like they're such a joy, but they're so annoying. So it's like, <laughs> they're so, I feel I feel that deeply. Yeah, <laughs> we needed so, to hear that. Today. Yeah, we had a rough start today, so they're so exhausting and they're so needy, and there's just like these. Then they fall asleep, and you're like, oh, they're so precious, or whatever. But it's just, um, I think like I was thinking about this too, Jordan. Like what I what I always struggle with with any kind of podcast or anything is is anybody hearing something like it's black and white, because we're all so different. Like we know what's happened. We know what biblically, you know, the sacredness of our marriage and that covenant that we have, but we're all so different. So those people that have to schedule it, that anticipation might be really fun for them. Like Mm -hmm. they're like, man, this is on the calendar. I'm really looking forward to that. I needed that. And if I didn't know that it was coming, I would never think it's going to happen. And then other people are so spontaneous. It's like, well, you're just taking the the life out of that. So for us... um, it was hard because when we were in your stage, uh, we didn't live around family. So 
that uh, that is one of the things that for some people they just can't afford babysitters or they can't, you know, and I think that small groups, like getting involved in a small group here at church where you can take a rotation of babysitters, that's really important and schedule date nights because um, I think that when you're going through having a colicky baby or something and you're like, I shouldn't be so frustrated, like I never thought I'd want to hurt my kid or do those different feelings of guilt, like to be able to hand that off on a great friends who aren't judgmental about your parenting, like all that stuff can just wear on you because it's like everybody's kids, especially when you're young, it, they just think you're a bad parent because your kid is, is struggling in this area and they have no idea. They would probably do way worse than we would. And, <laughs> you know, so um, having that scheduled date night for us is is really important. And I feel like we um, we really couldn't do that. Did we? Like we, yeah, like when we lived in Nashville and stuff, we didn't, we weren't able to do that. And we finally, like our, when I did music, our manager's daughter would babysit for us and they, they knew how broke we were and that was a real blessing. And so we got to go out a few times, but after we went through that kind of tough stage, um, we didn't do that necessarily right. So like we started shifting into typically Tuesdays are our, our date night. And, uh, I had to shift into, um, really trying to not, um, we talked a little bit this at the marriage weekend was just the fact that I would always say, well, you should understand me and I've had a hard day. So I've come home and I just want to be crabby and I've tried to be nice to people all day and you should just know my heart and whatever else. And, and so when I was able to learn to shift, to come home and continue to try to make her laugh and still be kind and still not just get her, oh, just, you just understand that I want to be quiet. Um, I think that's really helpful. And, um, so for us, having a Tuesday on the calendar is really good. And then I like to, I still like to surprise her with different things. Like that's really, that's really fun for me. And I, I think about, you know, um, bringing flowers from time to time or scheduling a weekend away. Like if you could have one date night, maybe one, one night away a month, if that was possible, it's not possible for everyone. And then, you know, at least a trip every once in a while. So like we try to schedule something like that out. Um, so I like, for me, it's funny you're saying that Jordan, cause I'm sitting there going, what, I don't even know what I'm really like, but I'm, I'm spontaneous. Like I'm not a really scheduled person, but if I look at a calendar, I like to have, um, a scheduled, like, especially in ministry, I'm sitting there going, okay, this is, this is Sabbath. This is times where I have to go away and I'm going to have it booked out and nothing can really change that. And, uh, I think Something that's really, so what, I, yeah, I mean, basically when you're looking at the holistic health of your relationship and what glorifies God, it's like, you have to, you have to schedule it in that busy time. So, um, I think my response, like for women along the lines of what he's talking about is so for me and often women, like we do need to feel that, you know, to feel like you're being pursued yeah. or, um, loved. And I feel like Scott's done a really good job, especially probably the last like 15 years of our marriage, honestly, um, with this whole date night thing. Cause there, there's times when I'm like, oh, it's Tuesday night, but we're just busy. We don't need to do it. And he's been actually very good about, no, this is our night to spend together. This is our date night. And, um, I think just, and I, and honestly, you guys, it doesn't even have to be like going anywhere. Like sometimes our date night is seriously like snacks. We go up to our bedroom, lock the door, put a movie on, eat snacks in our bed and watch a movie, you know, <laughs> and just, just making sure to make one another a priority. But one of the things I think too, that he's done well is just, um, 
as we get older, like he still tells me that he thinks I'm beautiful or um, I, I feel, I guess he does a good job of making me feel like he does, um, he is attracted to me and that um, he wants to spend time with me. And I, I think that that's a thing that's super important for women mm -hmm. that, that maybe not all men even realize like, well, whatever, we've been married for 20 years. Like, why does she need me to be like, you look really pretty today, or I think you're hot or however they, you want, you know, you communicate with each other. But I think even just words of affirmation that way, um, can really like help with just the romance side. One of the things that I'll do, I don't know if you noticed this, but if she ever asks me my celebrity crush or what kind of girl do you like, I'll never answer. <laughs> I'll always say it's, it's you, like you're the, you're the thing. So like she, uh, yeah, she'll talk about with our daughters, like who's hot and stuff. And it doesn't really bother me <laughs> that's because, too yeah, bad, but they love they're to just talk being, about that. yeah, oh, yeah. But, teenage girls. That's, you know, the I want her to know house. that she's my standard of beauty because it definitely can be, um, something that you never really know how that's going to mm -hmm. stick, you know, and I think it's really important too. Like, this is funny, but the romance has to be a part of making sure you support your spouse and being able to do stuff with their friends because, um, they just want you to know that they trust you and that you love them and, you know, whatever gives them life, you're going to get more, more out of that for mm -hmm. sure. And then make sure that you, um, dress up sometimes and, and go out and do something. Cause we definitely will have microwave popcorn. Like I'm thinking like we're in a stage of life, you guys, where we have these older daughters. Yeah. So uh, when we do our date night home, the main thing is we're not putting Cooper to bed. Yeah. Like, okay. So like we're, in our room early and the door's locked and we're on our date night. And I think our kids love seeing that, but of course yeah. we're there, but we try to go out if we can. And, and, um, but it is hard to get babysitters and stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you can find some friends and do that sharing of babysitting, um, that's the way to go. Just get some little Caesars and have all the kids at someone's house. Cause you can have like, if you wanted to, you could have one couple watch three or four couples kids on that night. You know, it doesn't have to be just one one couple in your small group going out. You could just you just have one one night a month where you're babysitting, <laughs> well, and the rest of the nights you're not. So. Yeah, and I think too the the biggest thing is um, like keeping the romance is honestly just making each other a priority. Like mm -hmm. for me, it's as simple as that. Like knowing, like our kids know that 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 we. It is cool. Like he was saying, like our kids know that we have a date night. We hug, we kiss in front of the kids. I'll joke about, look how hot your dad looks. Like, and we joke about that because I want them to know that like, I love your dad. I'm attracted to your dad. Same thing, like modeling that to our children, but also just taking that time to just, if one day a week, just really focusing on, on making each other a priority. Is it challenging to find time to have sex with much more aware teenagers in the house? So now that you oh, have, question. you know, your yeah. kids are aware, like our kids don't really know, you know, what's going on. Is that difficult? Do they know what you're doing? Are you feeling like, Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. That's a really great yeah. question. I think they know, like, they <laughs> I think that they know that we do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, but so that's the, that's the funny thing. And, and, uh, we, we, uh, we don't have as many funny stories as some of our friends, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> we had some friends that, yeah, their teenage daughter was real mad because she could hear some stuff, and she and she and uh, the mom was just like, "That's your mom, your husband, you know, your dad and I are in love, and that's just the way it goes, you know, that kind of a thing." But I, well, and the fun, well, just about that story. What's even funnier with our kids is that teenage girl was so mad because she heard her parents, and she went marching out of their house, and then she came to our daughter Brooklyn, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I heard my parents having sex," and Brooklyn was like. 
sell. That's what they do. <laughs> like, I mean, and not that she, thank God she actually hasn't heard us, but she was like, yeah, parents do that. And then she, this girl was like, oh, so that's okay. She's like, yeah, like no big deal. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, I think that, uh, getting to that point of having, uh, the sex talk with your kids, you know, when they're, when they're ready. Like I just, I did that with Cooper when we, we have to take the big dumpster from Clydehurst to town. He rode with me <laughs> and I started asking, I go, do you want to, I said something like, do you want to talk about what sex is? And, all, and he's like, nope, or whatever else. <laughs> and then we drove and I'll go, okay, now we're gonna. And we started talking about it. And, well, um, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> and Buckle I, up. Yeah. And I, I tried to explain everything that I thought he would hear from his friends and what it was and all of that stuff. And he, um, it was just interesting because he, he kind of came and told Carla and he was just really proud that he knew that and that we had that talk and that he was in the know now. And, and I think it was really important that he heard it from me. And, um, it was almost like he felt like it was really, it was something I didn't expect is that I saw this confidence and empowerment in him. Like mm. he was privy to some knowledge now that gave him some power to know what he wasn't so confused about everything. And, um, we 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 trying really hard to just to let our kids know how sacred and wonderful it is and that kind of a thing. I mean, we're not creepy about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to use that word creepy, right. but you know, we're not we're not hippies or anything. Where it's like, here, kids, watch this. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. But, you can edit that. Yeah. <laughs> we might keep that one. Up. Yeah, yeah. No, but I think that's true. Like, I mean, that's a really great question in the fact that you, yeah, you have to be a little more well, thoughtful, like, or just they're aware, but also like, we just kind of have this policy too. like, if they come up to our door and the door's locked, then like, they just kind of know like, oh, probably not, not the best time. Yeah. Or sometimes they'll knock, you know, yep. but. Um, still never said come back later. We still no. tried to play it off. <laughs> yeah. 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 Still just to play change, it off. Yeah. 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 Play it off. Or, yeah. Get out of the shower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we say, uh, we're, we're just changing. Uh, yes. So we don't know how long, how much right. life Changing we've got. Though. So how long does it take you to, well. Just a couple minutes. Just I just, know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are some helpful tips on how to communicate about each other's felt needs with intimacy and sex? Well, it's hard to say and hard to talk about, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Because I, I think it's the, it's that it's so vulnerable. Like if you can get to that point of just understanding how vulnerable it is. And then I think that, um, by the way, we're still not perfect with this, but just getting to that point of understanding that God's not embarrassed by this. And honestly, this is one of the main keys of what marriage actually is, right? It's like you become one. Otherwise, it's just like a partnership. And this is this is a covenant that, um, you know, sex is, is, is a really about making babies, of course, but it's also about two people becoming one. And, and so I think that this is a general, huge general thing. But I think for guys... They want to be told thank you for providing for the family if that's that's your scenario. But you know that's the kind of the longstanding thing is, well, I'm gonna I show you love by working hard or whatever else. But they're not bringing any intimacy. Like they're not showing love or understanding. They're just kind of like you should know I love you because this is how hard I work or whatever else. And so um, don't be that way, guys. But they love to be told thank you and then they want respect. 
but the problem is we can't demand respect and we can't, like you said, you can't say your body isn't your own, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that goes completely into, let's just call it the bedroom. That's what we always say. That goes into the bedroom is, is this idea of not embarrassing each other, understanding that um, men feel like, how do you say that exactly? Like I try to say that, like, it makes me feel like you want to feel desired too. You don't want to always feel like, um, well, this is such a chore. I'm an oil derrick, you know, kind of thing. It's just like, come on. And so... um, And can I interrupt real quick? Is One of the things that I think we've discovered in our journey too is like, I think we do want to be thanked, but I think that that's a two-way street because one of the things that that we've discovered even recently too is she goes, I just want to be told thank you that I think about all the things that I'm doing for the kids. Like I just want somebody to notice that I'm thinking about Harvey's lunch and that the boys are alive and they're at school. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's like, that's something I'm learning is going, I think we both have a tendency to go, that's what you do. And then we both move on, but we're both craving somebody to go, do you see what I'm doing for right. you? But that's, we're both kind of feeling that, but that is part of the romance yeah. is just acknowledging, hey, I see your participation in this covenant relationship. I see how you're bringing this to the table and where we can both look at each other and go, hey, I see you. I see what you're doing and I'm grateful for it. And I yeah. love that. So like one of us is going to have to have the courage to be vulnerable because whenever you're, if you have a... Uh, with any of your close relationships, especially in marriage, if you can set the standard of this is okay to talk about, and then for anyone listening from here, this day forward, try your best to not crack up or... Because <laughs> if someone says something and you embarrass them, that can shut them down yep. like crazy. Like to say, well, that's stupid <clears throat> right. or that's silly. You should never... You know, like um, I was saying that at the marriage weekend, like that's kind of just the way I talk where I'd be like, well, that's... That's silly to think that. Um, what I'm trying to say is you shouldn't have to feel that way. But what I should be saying is, I'm sorry I've made you feel that way. I shouldn't say, well, that's stupid to think that or that's silly. Because what she's here, this is what we learned in our marriage. She's hearing, you're stupid, you're silly. That's not at all what I mean, but I need to listen to how she needs me to communicate. Yeah. And so maybe you could start off by asking them, what? how would you like to hear? Um, do you have any questions for me? Well, I think too, what if I hear what you're asking, Alyssa, like with the whole, how do you talk about intimacy together? It's like one person needs to like break the ice. And then I feel like the thing that we forget about is that it is a union between the two of you. And it can be actually fun to have somebody like ask that first question or be like, what do you think of this? Or, you know, along the Mm -hmm. lines of your intimate relationship. And then just know that that can be a fun conversation because that's an okay thing to do, the two yeah. of you, to talk about right. your desires or your needs or this is what I like or this is what I don't like, yeah. you know? And I think that that's the thing is people, you know, Jordan, you had mentioned at the beginning, like you felt really vulnerable or whatever at first. I, I think, and I know we're going to get, I think, talk about this, but, you know, with a lot of the ways like I was raised, like we didn't talk about sex and it it was this weird foreign thing that like you do when you're married, but you sure don't talk about it. And nobody ever, like, I feel like we do a disservice sometimes to Christian kids because sex is this beautiful, awesome thing that God created for you and your spouse to, to, to do. And we're kind of taught like a lot of times 
in the Christian world, like, oh, you just don't talk about it. So nobody knows. And and then you're like, is this a bad thing? Like, and you go all these years of don't do that. And then there's this ceremony and they've put a ring on your (laughs) finger and it's like, okay, do it. (laughs) You know? And, and I think, um, more of that needs to be talked about, but especially when you are married, like just feeling comfortable to be like, Hey, this is what I like. Yeah. Yeah, But it's so much easier if you can ask. So like, if you can just go, Hey, what do you, what do you like? And then, um, that's really fun for me to hear what you like, because it would be fun for me to, you know, and, um, this just came to mind and this can be kind of heavy, but just to change directions, like everybody who's listening has a different story. And because sex is such a spiritual thing and it's such a sacred thing, you can bring a lot of brokenness into your marriage. If, 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 um, you've been abused, if you've been through anything like that, or if you've made mistakes, that thing can be really tough. And so some friends of mine who are going through a divorce, the woman just just goes, okay, this is enough. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving up. And uh, when they were in counseling, just like in their divorce counseling, because they ended up getting divorced, she said he, he was telling her about all the ways that she didn't understand what he had been through, through sexual abuse and stuff. And um, he just said... Uh, and she said, you would have this problem with anyone. And he asked me, what it means is, is that he was, you know, like, this is on you. Like, it does, it's not my fault that you have these problems. And and uh, if that makes sense. So if mm-hmm. I'm not, just clarify, but he go and he goes, uh, what do you think? Like, would I have this problem with anyone? And I said, well, you would definitely bring the same brokenness in because you, you would have trouble with sexual um, dysfunction and stuff because of pressure, just weird stuff. But she really humiliated him in that situation. And I said, someone else might just cuddle you and say, it's okay. And as soon as I said that, he just started crying. Mm. And I never forgot that. Like every one of us are going to bring brokenness, mistakes, guilt, shame from mistakes we've made or abuse that we've been through. And if as a spouse in that vulnerability, you can love your spouse well, um, there can be intimacy beyond what we ever really imagined. And, and so that dysfunction that comes in, you know, like you can, we can talk about stuff in a black and white way, but if you're selfish, if you're being abusive, if you're, you know, embarrassing each other or using each other, all of this is for nothing. Like you have to get down to the heart of, of letting the Holy Spirit change your life and just understand how to, to love each other. So in those situations of like to, to be able to get to the point, and maybe it'd be really good to have a mediator there, and and you know, everyone should be in counseling anyways. But just to be able to say, I'm really this situation is very hard for me because of this, and and for the spouse to be understanding to say, okay, so you've gone through this, and so when I do this, I f- you feel this way, like so. Whatever we bring into the marriage, that can't be changed. But it's interesting, like when you think about our past, can be changed. Because God redeems all of that. Mm-hmm. He turns it into a superpower where all of a sudden, because he's already defeated sin, um, he can make beautiful things out of ashes. So it's like he, he's not going to let... We're going to go through our whole life with those scars until he makes us perfect. But uh, the devil would love to wreck your sex life because that is a sacred thing that God gave us that is supposed to point us towards heaven and that vulnerability that we'll all have in heaven. So... I just think that's really important. I, I just wanted to say that, like, as even praying about that before, just like, yeah, that's true. Like, you're going to have that problem with anyone, but as your spouse has that problem, how you handle it, that's that's a totally different thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, as as you talked about, I really liked that idea of and I think that's true in, in all of our marriages is is we need to show up for people in the sense that we're not trying to make them become what we, we right. want them to be. We're not projecting them into the future, but saying, and, and this is one of the things, and maybe should, Alyssa, you can share a little bit about this, but where we show up to the marriage, and when we were dating, you had, you'd shared something like this, where it's like, even if you don't change, I'm still here for you. Mm. I'm still here to see you, to love you and serve you. Where sometimes I think we can get caught in the trap of, I wish you would do X, Y, and Z. I wish yeah. you'd meet this desire of mine in this way. But when we choose to serve somebody in marriage, we might be in a long haul of you are who you are. And there's some things that we hope change and they they progress, but there's also seasons where that growth is really, really slow. Mm-hmm. And so part of seeing somebody is going, hey, even I, I see your hurt, I see your pain, I see your dysfunction, and I'm not going to wish that was gone. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to bear that burden. Love that, yeah. yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. bear that burden with you. And so it hurts me too right now, but we're, we're going to share it instead of you having to walk walk yeah. through it by yourself. And, yeah. yeah. But I remember you sharing a little bit about how you approach that because you actually helped in, <laughs> enlighten me to that perspective of of being with somebody. Mm, yeah. Well, I think on a lighter note, I think I saw a meme somewhere that was like, if in 10 years it hasn't changed... And this is like lightly, it was like doing dishes, but Mm -hmm. like in 10 years, if it hasn't changed, just let it go type of thing. And so, I mean, very different compared to (laughs) just loving someone. But I think even like having that mindset of like, yeah, just serving one another and not being just nitpicky or like, this is who you are. We want to change together. And I think just like, I don't know, I, I just see Jesus in that of. Hey, I'm going to love you where you are. Yeah, I hope things change. I hope things progress and get better, and I hope we can grow together. But I'm just, I chose you for who you are now. Well, and that was even one of the things you said when we were dating was, your, your question you said was, could I serve him mm. for the rest of my life? And that, po- that, that posture to me was like, mm. well, I was way more selfish <laughs> in our dating relationship. But to have that as an over overarching theme in everything that we do in the way we handle the dishes and the way we raise our our children is more from a posture of service. I just, I like that perspective because then when we have needs and dysfunctions that show up, it's not a, well, fix that so that you can meet my need. It's I can show up for you and it's going to change from year to year. Who's showing up more? There's going to be imbalances where you're carrying a little bit more of the burden sometimes. We've both had that. And I, I want to say too, I don't think service is being like trampled on nope. or like, no, nope. no. you know, it's not being a doormat by any means. But I think it's, again, I'm looking at Jordan and I'm thinking, okay, what are the big deals here? Like, is this a big deal? If he's not doing the dishes in the grand scheme of things, like I want to... I want to make sure I know your heart and I'm serving that part of you. And anyway. Yeah, I think that's really good, Alyssa, because I I mean, I found that in our marriage too. I think especially for women, like our kind of our role a lot of times with being up with the kids in the morning, you know, doing the things, getting Mm -hmm. ready for school. And just there's certain things in marriage that, you know, maybe you're like, man, I wish that they would do that. I wish, you know whatever. I wish he'd take out the garbage and I never had to or whatever. And then they don't and you do. And then you go, is this a hill to die on? No, like yeah. not a big deal. Like picking picking your battles definitely. And, and does this really matter? Um, also, I think that when we, um, I think we're all saying this, when you shift your priority, when, when your whole goal is to love your spouse well, then 
you know, it is loving and serving them. And the focus is in, on how can I love Scott well? What can I do for him? And not what can Scott do for me? Mm-hmm. And and we all know that when we do shift our focus that way, it um, brings a lot of joy and peace on so many levels for, you know, when we choose to not be selfish and actually just be selfless, it's, it just makes a huge difference. Well, and I, I was going to say, I, when I, and I think when I serve Jordan, I think he serves me back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of like the love and respect. Absolutely. It's, it's when I'm serving him, then I feel like, oh, okay, then he's grateful. It's, then he does things also to serve me. Uh, yeah, there's there's two things that I would piggyback off that. Number one, we read a book um, and we read early on in our marriage, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. And one of the things that stuck out to us that we've had to remind ourselves of throughout the years, but man, this this was huge, is the purpose of marriage isn't happiness, it's holiness. And so that perspective for us has helped us a ton because there are times, you know, she'll even say like, maybe there is, let's, let's say there's a small nitpicky thing that, you know, she does that bothers me. She's like, why, why wouldn't you bring that up? And I'm like, well, because it doesn't matter. Because if I can just show up and serve you in that moment, then I'm going to choose holiness over happiness and that thing. And that's, that's a really big deal. Um, and I forgot the other one. Um, <laughs> um, It'll come to you. It may. After this. She still loves you. You'll edit, it, you'll edit it in. I think, um, yeah, my two piggyback things would be one that just the incredible bitterness that can happen when you have unspoken expectations. Yep. Especially when it comes to sex after a long day's work. Yeah. Or, you know, someone's home with the kids, someone's working, and one person is like, they're going to sweep in and take over this. The other person is, we're going to sweep in and go to the bedroom real quick and have, you know, like, <laughs> and then you're just mad and you don't even, you haven't even talked about it. Um, and then that awesome thing that you were saying, Alyssa, when you guys were dating, like, I remember that just falling in love with Carla. I was like, I can, I know I can love her even if she gets in an accident. When you're, you're realizing that in, in this short time we have on earth, um, this sacred, you know, thing that we have here, this covenant that we have is, is all about loving each other and serving. And, and that's what, the scripture lays it out. So like when our spouse is a selfish thing um, for us, it just gets so yucky. And it's just not a way to live. Like it seems seems like this is going to feel good to be selfish and think what I get, you know, get what I want, but it's not. You never want to be loved for someone you're not. And you want someone to accept all of you and just, uh, I mean, you want to talk about having the romance be alive. It's those kind of moments of going, okay, in this moment, there's some uh, sexual dysfunction here, and instead of being angry, you do hold them, and that's powerful and awesome, and that pays off in huge, huge ways. And so, yeah, that's it's just interesting how the world views it, and how Jesus, who authored all of this, is telling us this is how it should be, and this is how I created it to be. I remember the the second piggyback, and it kind of ties into what you're saying, and, and it's that sometimes we have to act our way into our feelings. So for instance, again, with, with Tim Keller, I th- I th- that's a great resource, Meaning of Marriage by Timothy Keller. It's fantastic. But one of the things he talks about is that there's going to be rhythms in your marriage where there's going to be times where the emotions and the fire is alive, and there's going to be times where it feels pretty dry and, and routine. But he tells a story of uh, a, a woman who's going through some some pretty significant illness, and the guy was going to leave. And he's like on his way, he's like, I can't do this. I can't, like, she's not meeting any of my needs. And he's like, well, what if you, what if you carried her down the stairs every day for, you know, X amount of time? Just try this. Just try serving her in this way. Pick her up and carry down the stairs. And what ended up happening is through serving her, his heart changed. 
And so, and I think that's so true of us as disciples of Jesus. And so what you're, what you were talking about, Scott, is just like having this posture of, of, of being a disciple towards somebody else is that sometimes we want our emotions to drive our actions, but sometimes our actions are actually what dictates our emotions. Our emotions end up following behind. They trail, you know, it's like fitness or anything like that. Like at first you're like, I'm going to will myself to work out, but pretty soon that's what you crave. You crave the workout, you crave the run, you crave the healthy thing. And I think that's true of like, even what you were saying, Alyssa, is this idea that, you know, if I begin serving you, you start wanting to serve me back. And then that sparks romance and I want to meet other needs and I want to, that starts to get things, mm-hmm. <laughs> this sounds so, it's so sexual in the context, mm-hmm. but it starts to get things going. Yeah. <laughs> right. and that's what you're talking about. But, but it right. does. Because, because that, that starts to, to change your heart beat towards the person to where you are affectionate and your affections follow your actions. Even though sometimes it begs with, I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to serve when I don't want to. Our heart will catch up. And sometimes, well, I was going to say a funny note. Sometimes that service stuff can be like, you know, be like, you drive Cooper to practice for me tonight. Reward for you. Because <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm yeah. like, yes, he let me stay home. I'm going to give him well, a How home bad home. do you want me to drive Cooper <laughs> to practice? Like, well, this well, come up. You know, I know we're not going to meet everyone where they're at uh, with this podcast today, but I was also thinking about that person that, that has gone through abuse or is really struggling with guilt. Uh, we've been talking a lot about serving each other, but also... Remember in John 5, that, that encounter with Jesus where he's, do you want to get healed to this guy? Mm-hmm. And I, I really want us all to take steps to heal up. Um, I think you have to pursue, you can't just always tell your spouse, you know that I can't have sex because my uncle abused me. I am not making light of that in a sec, but you can't live your whole life with letting that horrible sin defeat you and take away the joy you can find. So if you're if you're stuck in that thing where you're just like you know that we can't do that because of this, like, um, so what we're we've been talking a lot about. Okay, if that's what someone's been through, just love them through it, right? But I would just encourage everyone who has gone through that. There's so much healing that can happen, mm-hmm. and really try to heal up for your spouse. Serve them in that way where you can bring that scar and brokenness and and, and work through it with with the counselor. And, and uh, yeah, just let people know and, and shine light on it and, and just see, hopefully God can really free you from that. And it doesn't mean it's not going to come up in moments. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, you know, we're, we're putting a big blanket on this, but it's it's going to come up from time to time. And if, if you can talk through those things and your spouse can go, oh, are you doing okay? Not today. I'm not doing okay. And try to be kind in that. Right. But you can't be that every day. You have to really fight. Do you want to do you want to be healed? Because yep. I think God can really do something special. So if you feel like you're stuck and your life is over, I'd know that God can heal you. But it definitely takes um, this weird <laughs> effort, you know, yep. of saying, yeah, I'm willing to be healed. Because yep. sometimes we just sit there and go, well, this is my excuse to get out of this. Yep. Don't, yeah, don't be that way. I want to challenge you to not be that yep. way. Step into it. And yeah. Partner. Because God's inviting, like God would invite us. And sometimes that means therapy. That means counseling. Mm-hmm. That means partnership. That means a close small group. There's a lot of different ways that can yeah. look, but it does mean you've got to take steps into mm-hmm. it. And it, it's going to hurt. Yeah. It's going to be painful. It's going to require gonna growth, it. yeah. but it's going to, anything, uh, we we say this to our boys sometimes, is anything that's like worthwhile typically is hard. Like mm-hmm. it, and anything good is typically difficult. Like the things that are really quick and easy. Yeah, and get, ma- get mad about what 
the devil and sin is done. Yeah. Mm. You know, like don't let it win. Right. It's trying to keep winning. Yep. Because that would be the best thing is to steal your joy yep. in this beautiful sacred covenant that yep. God's given us is just to steal that from you all the time. And so guys, thanks so much. Yeah. Sure yeah. appreciate you both. Absolutely. Thanks for being willing to go to the 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 fun places. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, I just couldn't believe how much uh more uncomfortable I was knowing this would be recorded than just talking <laughs> yep. to people. Yep, yeah. totally. That's always hard because I yep. know our parents and, or whatever are going to, oh, can we listen to that? <laughs> I know. Or your yeah. kids. I yeah, I tried know. not to think about that, but thank you, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Thank you yeah. for adding that. So, I know. Mom and dad, I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we hope that this encouraged and challenged you and gave you some places to start a conversation. In the show notes, you can find links to discussion questions and resources to take next steps. If you enjoyed this or found it helpful, would you share it with someone you think would benefit? We'd also love to hear from you or partner with you. You can reach out to podcast at faithchapel.cc.